This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello and welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. My name is Dave Warnicke and on each episode of this show we look at one of the classics. And joining me to look at such a classic this week, it's the lawman, James Shakeshaft and Alastair Beckett-King. Hello. Hello. Hello, Dave. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm very well, actually. Thanks. I'm just thrilled to be talking to Australia. This it's is a fully a international episode. I love it. You're so far away. <laughs> I, I got into the mood by listening to Savage Gardens all around me. <laughs> Oh, just before no. we came on, because in 1997, that oh the 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 camp rap section in that was I believe they the kids say my jam that it was my jam. Fantastic. <laughs> well, I've got some good news for you, and that is the singer of that band, Darren Hayes, is still going strong. I do uh, some warm up work for a TV show where he was a guest a few weeks ago, and there oh, were great. literal people almost passing out and crying. When he was on mm-hmm. the show, much I like they did so. in 1997, but it's the same fans, and now they're all in their <laughs> 40s. It was amazing to watch. Oh, oh that's so nice. You keep him well. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, it was fun. It was it was awesome to see that people still love him. Well, I, I mean, Australia eventually had to produce something of value, and it did in in, in Savage Garden. Whoa, whoa, in, in Dar- whoa, 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 Darren Hayes. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Sorry, what, what, what did I say, James? What was it? In, Sometimes I in, say things my, and... I'm in trouble. My, my in preparation for this was uh, just thinking about neighbours forever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, any, 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 any sort of white rap come out of neighbours? I don't think so. Not to my knowledge. No. Angry Anderson, I don't think he ever turned his hand to rap. That's a shame. That really is a uh, shame. <laughs> yeah. That's a real shame. I'm sure one of the Rebeccas must have. Yeah. But yes, carry on. <laughs> oh, Toadie. I would have loved a Toadie rap. I, I feel like... The Toadie rap. There definitely is a Toadie rap. Maybe like a Scar song with just a rap section in it. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like something Scar might be more appropriate. If Jared Rebecca, a.k.a. Toadfish, a.k.a. Toadie, were to release an album, I yeah. think it would be in that sort of William Shatner spoken kind of spoken <laughs> speak singing kind of vibe. Yeah. Have I told you about my mate's nan who th- who was a little hard of hearing and thought that Toadie was called Tony? <laughs> <laughs> she, she's a little like, she was an Irish lady. She was like, oh, that Tony is such a naughty boy. <laughs> What's Tony up to now? So, he's Jared Tony Rebecca. That's what she was thinking. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Why are they calling him Tony? What's a tone fish anyway? 
Oh, this, there must have been some sort of musical career at some stage. So many have. Surely it would have been mm. impossible to resist. I'm looking him up now. Oh, he's been in musical theatre. He's been of in... He has? Yes, absolutely. He's been in... Uh, Cinderella. He must have have spat some rhymes in his time, surely. And you'll be very pleased to know that uh, down under, we also have our own version of the Masked Singer, and he was on that last (gasps) year. (gasps) Oh, what was what was he masked as? Not sure I'm going to dive into a wiki here. <laughs> no, this is not the book know, no. that we're going to be studying, right? <laughs> no, it's not the book of Neighbours. It's not the book, but I, I feel like i It's I've... not the Neighbours Annual 1986. <laughs> oh, Bring it back. put it back on the shelf then. <laughs> no, um, I've been listening to a bunch of your podcasts lately, and I absolutely love it. Lawman, it's fantastic. For people who haven't heard it before, what's it all about? It's about um, local legends and obscure curiosities from days would of that, yore. Would, would those be from days of yore? Yeah, those are from days of yore, actually. Right. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. Uh, your past. Well, everyone's past. It's basically mm. the weird little ghost stories or weird little legends that you kind of only know because you grew up in a particular place. For example, yeah. the headless ghost stuck... At the headless ghost duck of Stoke. <laughs> yeah, most people don't know about that, except people who listen to our podcast who talk about it all the time. You're, you're spreading the good word. <laughs> I yeah. always tell people it's like, um, you know, like the legends like Loch Ness and Robin Hood. It's not those ones. It's not the ones that have had the Hollywood treatment. It's the ones that will never make it to Hollywood because there are just major plot holes um, in most cases. And uh, <laughs> James and I enjoy po- poking away at those plot holes. The most recent one I listened to was one of your most recent episodes, Denizens of Another World, where uh, it was basically, it was similar to a book cheat. You've, there was a manuscript yeah. that had been found. Oh, I was yep. hooked. I loved it. A man had seen a small <laughs> alien craft, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. There was a fox. I don't want to give away too much, but that was a very funny section. <laughs> there was like a robot fox, I think, at one point. I can't. I don't. I've, I'm terrible. I forget them as soon as. There, I think there was an idea of a badger in armor was posited at one point, but it an turned out badger. to simply be an alien. <laughs> yeah, oh. it was. It was logical. It had a logical answer. Yes. Uh, with my enormous relief, gentlemen, I inform you it was no badger, but a creature from outer space. <laughs> so I absolutely highly recommend that episode of people looking for somewhere to start. Very very funny stuff, and. Alistair, you've been very busy of late because it, it's great to have... Sometimes on this show, we invite authors. And today, Ugh. that is you. Uh, is it? The arrogance. The arrogance of the man to have, to have written a book. <laughs> oh, he thinks you need to read 200 pages of his thoughts. What, a, what an awful person. Well, maybe in one or 200 years, there'll be someone like me coming along and summarizing it. other bit. <laughs> And essentially infringing on my copyright. Yeah, well, maybe. Um, Don't worry, I'll wait until you're book. long dead. <laughs> I mean, what, a, what an encouraging threat that is. Don't worry, you'll be long dead by the time I do that. Um, I, I wrote a kid's book, um, and it came out last week. Um, in, in And, uh, oh, my publisher wants me to mention in Australia as well as the UK and Canada. And it's called... Um, um, uh, you, you can't... Here, but I'm looking to the side so I can see the book to make sure I get the title right. It's called. <laughs> How long is it going to be? Mon- <laughs> it's called Montgomery Bonbon Murder at the Museum. I do know the name, 
Uh, but I do have to just check that I don't say in the museum by mistake. Fantastic. Oh, you've got a real sex, sex in the city, sex in the city vibe there. Yeah, yes, that's that exactly the vibe I'm going for, for my book <laughs> aimed at kids aged 8 to 12. <laughs> so it's, it's a murder mystery? It's a whodunit, a proper whodunit, um, with lots of jokes as well. Um, there is a, there's a real murder, uh, and there's real clues. It's a fair play murder mystery. Um, so if, you know, if you're paying attention, you've got a good chance of solving it. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. But it also has, hopefully, a whole load of gags and funny characters and pokes fun at the tropes of the genre. Am I right in assuming, then, that you're a big fan of the genre? I, I, love, I love a whodunit. I love a murder mystery. Me too. I just, I just like it when posh people die and <laughs> no other genre has <laughs> devoted itself so consistently to posh, horrible posh people being killed in studies. And punished for their crimes. Yeah, it's like, yeah, absolutely. It's like, oh, the, 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 uh, the, the, the cruel factory owner just invites all his mates around and says, I hate every single one of you. None of you are in the will. Now to go to a room on my own for an hour and lock the door from the inside. <laughs> Click. And you're like, yes. It's the last we'll see of him. Fantastic. So available in uh, all good bookstores, even down under. Love that. I mean, I can't, I can't say that it's in all bookshops. Australia is a big country. But it is available in bookshops. And no, that's it why is I said available in Australia. all good bookstores. Because <laughs> good if bookstore. they don't have it, they're no good. Leave. They're awful. They're just terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what you recommend is you go up to the person, ask if they've got it, they look it up on the computer, and then yeah. they haven't, and then you tip one of them tables on your way out. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. They'll say, like, oh, uh, we can order it in for you, and then you just want to be flipping tables over straight away before okay. they even finish that <laughs> sentence. Like, the, we, cool, th cool, this, cool. this door recommends, boom, gone. <laughs> <laughs> recommends uh, table legs. Recommends for Valentine's Day, boom, gone, it's over. <laughs> even if you've already got a copy, just keep going around and taking out the bookstores <laughs> that don't yep, have it. Yep. Word will get around. They'll know what to do. <laughs> yeah, I'm planning a sort of a, a low-key gangster-style racket uh, to encourage bookstores <laughs> to be like, oh, you got a copy of the book? Oh, that's a shame. That'd be a, that's a real shame. This is a nice store. That kind of, that's the kind of vibe I want to communicate. Now, we're here today to talk about uh, a Shakespeare play. Can you believe it? William? Oh, yeah. William, sorry. Yes, I should say William. William Shakespeare. Okay, just checking. Just making sure. Not, not, not one by his son. Dave Shakespeare. I can't say Dave. You're called Dave. That's terrible. That's a terrible, what bad improvisation, just reading a word that is on the screen in front of me. It's really awful. Uh, microphone Shakespeare. Oh, fuck. <laughs> JFS Lawmen Podcast Shakespeare. No, come on. Original sound for musicians off Shakespeare. This is so bad. No, it is the one and only William Shakespeare. I've been working my way. I think this might be about the tenth one we've done on the podcast, um, but we're still, we're still. He's got good ones left in the in the canon, so we're all good. Is this one of them? Yeah, yes, it is. Mm. Well, is it to let you know the kind of quality mm. we're dealing with? I googled Shakespeare's best plays to see what was oh. left, and it, we're in the top ten, baby. We're, this we're is in, the in the top, top ten. ten. Right. In the top ten. Oh, thank goodness. N none of your Timon of Athens nonsense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that one seven, that he did about Henry VIII. Seven VIIIth. guys from Barnsley, or whatever it was called. <laughs> <laughs> That's next week. But this week we are talking about Much Ado About Nothing. 
Oh. Well, I, I, it, listeners to our podcast will know I, I, I try to come across as very well read, and I'm ashamed to say that I haven't read this one. And but, other listeners to our podcast will know I trained as an actor. Because <laughs> he never shuts up about it. Yeah. It's always uh, coming also in. Also went to mime school. Also went to mime school. <laughs> Why would Don't you like tell people you went to mime school? The one advantage of mime school is you learn to shut up. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, it's not good for the podcast medium, but I am doing some great mimes. Just trust that I'm doing some great mimes right now, walking into the wind to this microphone. Um, I think I've been in that. Much Ado About Nothing. Incredible. So does that mean you know the story, James? No, <laughs> I, it means I. It means I might know one or two scenes that I was in, if, but I can't even remember what character I was. To be honest, it's like when people are in a Hollywood movie and they only get given their two pages of dialogue, so they don't spoil the script. So they only gave you what your one scene, even though Shakespeare is widely available. Well, no, I think what it is, to be honest, it's um, actors are a are a lazy lot. Yep. And what you do, when you get your script and your part, you simply just look for your name, your character's name in the script, and highlight those bits, and those are the only bits you read. And I think maybe what it is, is like the modern-day blockbusters, they've just realised it's not worth printing out the pages. They're actually, they're actually doing a service to the environment by just giving people the scenes they're in. Right. Because no, you don't care what happens if you're not in it. You're an actor. But surely, James, as an aspiring actor, you need to learn the whole play in case one of the lead actors hurts their ankle. And you can be like, uh, I know that part. Nah, riff it. No? <laughs> Just riff it. <laughs> oh my, I genuinely, one of my most common uh, anxiety dreams is Shakespeare-based. It's I'm about to go on stage for a Shakespeare play and I don't know what it is. And it turns out I've got the first line. And I just have to just riff it off the top of my head from context. <laughs> there's great there's great power in that, though. You get to choose which Shakespeare everyone else is doing. So you walk out there, you know a bunch of yeah. first lines, and they're like, oh, no, we're doing Macbeth or whatever. You, they, you get to choose it. They've got to Macbeth change. scene three again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get out there and you start reciting Robocop. And they've all just got to join me. <laughs> <laughs> my three main protocols. Uh, protect the innocent, uphold the law, etc. Now, this play has been suggested by a few people. People write in, they tell me uh, there's a form in the description of this episode if anyone wants to uh, fill it out and tell me what, what books I should do. And then when I get to it, I'll say thank you. And these are the people that suggested much to do about nothing. Thank you to Adora from London. Emma Lawler from Austin in Texas, Thomas Hill from Sheffield, Lyra from somewhere in the USA, Esme Aish Leman, also from England, Mary Harrington from Phoenix, Arizona, and finally Darcy T from New Zealand. Thank you so much. I don't want to insult nice those people specifically, obviously, um, as fans of your show, but I have to say, having not read it, the title doesn't grip me. <laughs> because the, the title it's, is sort of like ah oh, a load of pointless nonsense. Yeah, like, work a little bit harder on your titles. From Shakespeare, isn't it? Yes, like, it you know is. he's it's... got to the point where he can be like any old fluff is what I'm going to call my next play. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of nonsense, isn't it? It's a bit of fun. Uh, yeah, just general stuff. <laughs> it's a Shakespeare play. You're going to come and see it. Yeah, like a painter just painting it a canvas black and then saying you'll pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Has it got a subtitle, uh, by the way? They often do. Is it like Much Ado About Nothing or What You Will? Isn't that one of them? <laughs> See, that's tw- that any... might be Twelfth Night. One of them is genuinely called or what, whatever, whatever, mate. What, I don't what care. you will is William just like whatever you like, whatever you like. Yeah. You call it, call it, call it what you want. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. He was a good writer, but he just it, he not not great with titles. He did give up on Twelfth Night or just fill your boots, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and the sniff is part of it. It's actually written in. <laughs> That's that little dagger symbol that you sometimes see. That's that's how you pronounce that in old books. <laughs> I'm not getting any subtitle here, so I think this is that's all it is. He left it there. Oh, that's yeah. how lazy he was as a writer that he didn't even give it two titles. No, just one. So it was believed to have been written in around 1598. First published in the first folio in 1623, and I love how Encyclopedia Britannica describes it. It says, "Quote." The play takes an ancient theme, that of a woman falsely accused of unfaithfulness to brilliant comedic heights. So thank you, Britannica, who finds that very funny. (laughs) The title of the play, while we're talking about it, is actually a pun, which no longer makes sense. (laughs) Because the word nothing in Shakespearean times was pronounced much like we say noting. And the plot is driven by characters overhearing each other, noting things down, and also taking note of each other. So it's much ado about noting is what the pun's going for there. Well, that's made it a lot worse in my eyes. This is why... We should always steer clear of puns. And, <laughs> I uh, mean, t- to be fair, our podcast, Lawmen, it's a pun, and that it doesn't work. So I have a lot of sympathy <laughs> it, for... It was instantly it, out of date when we came up yeah. with that that pun. Mm-hmm. Yep. I say uh, we, because I'm trying to spread the blame around. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very bad for people whose accent... Who the word lawmen doesn't sound like lawmen in some people's accents. So we, we cause much confusion Most among Americans. People's. And pirates, the two main categories of people who pronounce the letter R. The Irish as well. According to your BBC, Mm. nothing... Uh, Our BBC? That's right, I'm putting that that on you. Britain's BBC, okay, all right. Because uh, nothing was also a euphemism in Elizabethan times referring to the female genitalia because an an O thing was Elizabethan slang derived from women having, quote-unquote, nothing between their legs. I love your culture. I love it. Uh, mm. That's Like a no-tail. Right. right, I see. Sorry. Is there's... that a phrase, James, or did you just invent that? A tail or a no-tail? I think it's quite, it was popularized by League of Gentlemen. Um, oh, I see. As I see. a sort of a local way of discerning the ge- between the genitalias, the two main. Genitalis. I've never heard that one before. I've heard I've heard mossy face. Pardon. From the, I think the I think that's 18th century. A mossy face. M- mossy, mossy, like a like on a rock. Oh, uh, like moss. I see. Right. <laughs> Which one's that? That's the, the um, uh, that's the nothing. That's the the, the right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. That one. Now I always start with the opening line of the novel or play, and in this case, it is. Act one, scene one, before Leonardo's house. And I'll give you the opening uh, the opening line here from Leonardo, which is, I learn in this letter 
that Don Peter of Aragon comes this night to Messina. And we're off. Exposition. Boom. Good exposition. Just get right into the story, Straight in. I think. Mm. Usually, so is Leonardo a main character? Because usually Shakespeare plays start with like two servants describing everybody who you're about to see. Yes. And they'll be like, uh, oh, the master and the mistress have been have been talking and plotting and oh, here they come. And then those guys, you just never see them again. They were just there to do setup. He is, he, he's Leonardo, he's a main character, but he also is there to do the setup because we've met mm. him. He's the governor of the Italian town of Messina. Which is funny because oh. in Australia that's a famous chain of gourmet ice cream parlors. So he is the <laughs> governor of uh, ice cream that's flavored like you know pancakes and potato chips and strange things like that. <laughs> most of the most of the play is set in and around his large home or parlor. And at the start of the mm. play, a messenger. This is the exposition part. Has just told him that the same that some old friends are dropping by on their way back from a battle. So that's the people he's oh. learning coming. The group is led by Don Pedro, a prince of Aragon, who has just halted a rebellion from his illegitimate brother, Don John. <laughs> what a disappointing name, Don John. Don John. Don John. Don John and John Peter. Yeah, so it's... It's kind of confusing because they uh, uh, that one's sort of the good guy, one's the bad guy. Don Pedro mm. and Don John, the bad guy. Oh, what a great name for a bad guy, John. <laughs> John. Really, it really it really zings off the page. Yeah. So they're Spanish, or what we would now call Spanish, I guess. Yeah, that's right. The Kingdom of Aragon. Visiting yep. the town of Baskin-Robbins in Italy. Good, <laughs> I'm on. I'm following. Yeah. Great, 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 great. As long as I understand. So Don Pedro is still on top because he's, uh, you know, defeated his illegitimate brother, Don John. And he's traveling to Messina and he's got a soldier with him named Claudio that has won great respect for his exploits on the battlefield. And another soldier and friend is, is with him. His name is Lord Benedict. <laughs> oh, not bothering with the T. No T. Just uh, it's bailing a, out on the, the name Benedict Bene, far too early in my Benedict, view. D-I-C-K is how it's spelled. I've never heard that name before. And when you search it online, he's the only one that comes up. Was he <laughs> the Beyonce or the prince of his day? I don't know. Was was he? Because Bene means good. Was he was he Benedict by nature <laughs> as well as by name? <laughs> well, I'm wondering if it is a bit of nominative determinism um, because he's... Kind of a, an arrogant guy that you don't like too much at the start of the play. He is a bit of a Benedict. <laughs> has he got a sister called? Is he a sister called Better Nothing? <laughs> Known as Mossy Face. <laughs> so that's the three of them. There's Don Pedro. He's there with Claudio, great soldier, and Lord Benedict, and they are visiting Governor Leonardo who also has his own little posse that contains himself, his daughter... Raphael. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry to disappoint. Sorry to disappoint. His daughter's name is Hero, which is... Oh, that's unusual. Nice. For, as, a, as a woman's name. Mm. And also his niece is called Beatrice. Beatrice. Be- not, not Beatrice, Beatrice. Well, it could be Beatrice. Oh, 
when you uh, mm, when you're so, I, I, am I just being confused by an Australian accent here then rather than Shakespeare's text? Yes, there's a big possible. I would say Beatrice because you, say, you also say Beatrice or but you say Beatrice is that right? No, Be- Beatrice, Beatrice. Great, 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 great. Yeah, okay. I'll probably edit this bit out. No, Carry no. On. I'm going to say Beatrice from now on, so I uh, seem more cultured. <laughs> I'm sure Beatrice is right. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure you're right. I'm, I apologise. Uh, so, objection retracted, Your Honour. <laughs> no, no. I'm, I'm going to go with you on this one. I'm going to go with you. So there's a lot of names there. Hopefully, I can make this make sense. Often with Shakespeare, it all sort of starts to come together. I've put out six or seven names there, but. Beatrice or Beatrice, I should is what I'm trying to say, is one of our two main characters. Uh, when she hears that Benedict is coming, she asks about his health and starts to mock him. Ooh. And when the messenger tells her that Benedict also did very well in battle and is quite a brave guy, she continues to belittle him, leaving the messenger shocked. So she's clearly got a bit of beef with this Benedict mm. guy. And when her uncle Leonardo says... You must not, sir, mistake my niece. There is a kind of merry war betwixt between Signor Benedict and her. They never meet, but there's a skirmish of wit between them. To which Beatrice responds, Alas, he gets nothing by that. In our last conflict, four of his five wits went halting off, and now is the whole man governed with one. So she. Ooh, that's right. He's only got five words. He's got one left. Yeah, absolutely. I, I assume that, like, like that sort of gif, all the friends sort of um, gather round in a sort of rap battle kind of what kind of reaction, like ah, <laughs> oh, hands to the face. Oh no, she didn't. But she, she did. Yeah, but she did. She did. She did. Oh, she, she very said much that four did. of his five wits had abandoned him. Yeah. So yeah, she's quite a, a, a powerful and, and fun character because she's uh, often having a go at Benedict and coming up pretty well. And there's a bit of tension rivalry or a merry war going on between them. And that's before he's even arrived. So Yeah, yeah. She's already getting disses in and he's not on stage yet. <laughs> yeah, he can't incredible. defend himself. Don Pedro, that's the good Don, arrives with Benedict and Claudio, as well as his bad brother the bad don don john who despite him starting a war on the surface they've made up but let's just say okay right that don john is still looking for revenge against his brother in fact he describes himself in the play as quote a plain dealing villain so he's like a a twirling mustache kind of guy throughout the play. right yeah mm. I'm the original bad boy. <laughs> yeah, he's wearing a leather jacket. <laughs> oh, he's got his foot up, hasn't he? He's leaning against the wall with a foot up. <laughs> yeah. He's probably got those, um, do you remember those candy cigarettes that look like real cigarettes? Just uh, mm. just eating one of those. I think we did, actually, in the production, I think we did have, because I think I was one of Don, if I remember rightly, I was one of Don John's uh, hoods, hoodlums. Oh, great. I think I know who you might be, because if you're only in a couple of scenes... We'll be yeah. talking about those scenes. Ooh, oh, good. Don, Don Henchman. I'll, br- I'll bring some deep analysis. Oh, please do. <laughs> <laughs> Just to the guy who comes on and sailor. says something like, um, Milady comes. It's like, what was he thinking at that moment? <laughs> when, he... <clears throat> when Nameless yes. Surf 3 said that, James, can you... <laughs> I was dressed as a sailor us. as well, if I remember rightly. I think we had a sort of there was a sort of a naval vibe. Oh, uh, right. Was that reason. part of the play, or did you just turn up like that and they rolled with it? <laughs> I brought my yeah, I brought my own costume. <laughs> I'm here. I'm not I taking the hat do. off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
So you, did you change a lot of the the historical setting? Do you think you're one of those ones where you're like, you know, it's Shakespeare, but you're inside the internet or something really out I, there? It, it wasn't quite so uh, horrible as that, no. Uh, but it wasn't... It wasn't set at the time. I think it was set around like around Second World War times. So mm. that was kind of what the war that they were talking about would be, the Second World War. So everyone came. Yes, yeah, so, and I was in the Navy, and I think uh, Benedict was a flyboy. He was in the RAF, and that was. And then, yeah, I think that's what it was to do with. But still, so these people have been at a battle, actually fighting and killing people, and then they're just popping off home together on from opposite sides yeah they're like oh my brother he's all right he's a scallywag (laughs) so they're dropping by leonardo's place uh he invites his guests to stay for a month and benedict and beatrice or beatrice i'm not gonna get that right start bickering and scoring points against each other immediately and instantly we know it's gonna be a long long month Later on, Claudio... So you pause there as if, like, slap bass should yeah. come in to take us <laughs> yeah. to the next scene. Oh, hang on. <laughs> uh, later on, Claudio, who's the war hero, confesses to his friend, Benedict, that he's in love with Hero, who is the daughter of their host, Leonardo. Claudio says to Benedict that he'd like to marry her. He even says, Didst thou note the daughter of Signor Leonardo? And Benedict isn't encouraging, and he rudely says, I noted her not, but I looked on her. So, Mm. nothing worth noting there, which is not very nice. Yeah, what a diss. And he's also uh, not very encouraging about the concept of marriage. He's very anti-getting into a relationship and falling in love. He's not into it. In fact... Mm. This is what Benedict says the others should do to him if he falls in love and marries. He's like, I'll never get married, and if I do, you should, quote, pick out mine eyes with a ballad maker's pen and hang me up at the door of a brothel house for the sign of blind Cupid. Hang me in a bottle like a cat and shoot at me. Pluck off the bull's horns, set them in my forehead, and let me be vilely painted. And in such great letters as they write, here is good horse to hire. Let them signify under my sign, here you see Benedict, the married man. So he's like, I'll never get married. Wow. And if I do, do all this crazy, <laughs> crazy stuff to me. <laughs> those are just like Tom Waits lyrics, most of those, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, it was very hard. Just hang me up outside a brothel and kick my eyes out. <laughs> Put me in a bottle like a cat. <laughs> what was that? Was that normal for the time? Was, was that one of Shakespeare's classic inventions? Uh, Did he coin the phrase, put me in a bottle like a cat? Yeah, that phrase that we all use every day. <laughs> it's, we owe so much to Shakespeare, we don't realise that everyday phrases like, put me in a bottle like a cat. <laughs> like a cat in aspic, one of uh, our most popular dishes here in the UK. <laughs> I think you can get that from Messina, the ice cream. Um, I hope I hope this is a case of dramatic irony. And this guy is getting married as hell later in the play because mm. that would be great. And we've got to put him. And then the all those things happen. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then a, a series of violent catastrophes occur. <laughs> kick my eyes out is also is that what it said? Was it kick my eyes out? 
I think it was prick no, him out no, with, was, a, yeah. with a oh, prick, prick him out sorry. with a pen. I thought it was kick my eyes out, which is so <laughs> needlessly violent. That's incredible. You have to do a lot of kicks before the eyes fall out. <laughs> you oh, really, very, really do. And you've got to have very like maybe those sort of pointy shoes, like Prince. Well, that's what shoes. they wore in those days. They had those um, oh. sort of those curly toed yes. shoes with the curl at the end. That's what the curl was for. Oh, it was for pricking out the eyes. It was eyes. for kicking out someone's eyes. Yeah. Of, of silly husbands. <laughs> <laughs> so his friend, Claudio, just confessed he's in love with Hero, and he's gone, I'll tell you about love. I just talked about how awful it is. <laughs> so, anyway. But someone who is keen on the marriage is their friend, Don Pedro. That's the good Don, who encourages his man, Claudio, to go for Hero. Claudio is nervous, so Don Pedro proposes that at the masquerade ball that night, he will dress as Claudio and declare his love for Hero, and also put in a good word with her father, Leonardo. That, okay. that's, the, that's the end of Act 1. I know there's a, a fair few things going on there setting it all up, but to recap, Benedict and Beatrice love to quarrel. That's important. Mm-hmm. Claudio is keen mm-hmm. on Hero, the daughter of their host, Leonardo. And Don Pedro says, I'll get you guys together. I'll pretend to be you at the ball. <laughs> In classic Shakespeare style, Don Pedro goes, I think I can simplify this situation a little bit uh, by needlessly dressing up as you. I'll and be pretending you. Pretending to be mm. you at the ball. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just dress as you. So that yeah. should uh, smooth things out a little. Normally, the advice for someone in that situation is just be yourself. Whereas this is, <laughs> I'm going to be you. <laughs> so that's the plan. Then Act Two takes place before and during the masquerade ball. In the first scene, Be- oh, there's not a masked ball. This is going to be chaos. <laughs> yeah, it is. Don't remember this bit. Pretty sure I wasn't in it. Got <laughs> <laughs> us out the back smoking or something. Yeah, absolutely. It was an outdoor production. <laughs> Was it? Oh yeah, it was. It was in Oxford as well. Wow. Yeah, we did the Immortal Bard in the City of Dreaming Spires. <laughs> it was, it was coming across very charismatic, right? <laughs> I wish I'd seen it. I didn't realise how cultured you were. <laughs> oh, big time. So, Act Two, we're at the Masquerade Ball or just beforehand, and in the first scene, Beatrice talks to Hero about finding the perfect man, which she says is impossible. She says he'd have to be halfway between the silent Don John, who doesn't speak enough, and Benedict, who talks too much. She's like, impossible to find someone who's like that. She's mm. some kind of Goldilocks. I, do you need someone who talks just the right amount? I would have thought some, <laughs> between not talking at all and talking constantly, that's most people, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, yeah. it, it would be a bell curve. I, I, actually, Beatrice, I'm sorry, you're wrong. Most people would fall in that area. I totally agree. She's just t- taken two very extremes and gone, Yeah. well, I guess that's all, men. One or the other. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a nice, it's nice that a podcast of, of three guys can finally <laughs> tell the ladies where they've been going wrong. That's right. Come Your on. standards are too high. <laughs> yeah. Listen to us. I'll pretend to be you. I'll talk to the guy for you. <laughs> So, like Benedict, she's resolved herself to stay single forever. Watch this space. Okay, both of them saying, I'll be single forever. Mm -hmm. At the party, all the men wear masks and conveniently no one is able to tell who they are at all. There's no other context clues whatsoever. 
I'm not sure if they're wearing full balaclavas or elaborate <laughs> costumes like Toadie from The Masked Singer. I'm not sure. <laughs> They've all got lifts on, so they're all the same <laughs> yeah. height. That's great. So this scene is actually pretty chaotic because we hear a few breakaway conversations as everyone dances and mingles together. And we, so we have a little bit of these people talking, a little bit of this. Beatrice speaks to Benedict. Remember, they're the ones that often quarrel and take shots at each mm-hmm. other. She either not realizes or pretends that she doesn't know who he is and starts speaking about how annoying she finds Benedict. <laughs> she <laughs> knows what one place she's I wouldn't doing. open with that is in a masked ball. That's right. That's yeah. I, w- I would be a little bit cautious. Yeah, I don't know who anyone is. Oh, this man, I'll talk to him about one of the people here. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> And would you believe it, Benedict, he's not happy about this and he fumes for the rest of the night. He's furious that she uh, had a go at him to his face without realising it was him. And remember that Claudio was in love with Hero but was too afraid to tell her and that good Don, Mm. Don Pedro, would pretend to be him and put in a good word. Well, now's the perfect chance. He's got the mask on. Mm -hmm. But the evil Don, Don John... Oh, no. I hate that guy. Yes, that original bad boy. Dastardly Don John also sees this as a perfect opportunity to stir up trouble, trouble for his brother and friends. Remember, he just tried to rebel against this guy, and now he's trying to get back at him. Surely they'd be able to tell it was him because of the matchstick in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing that they're all wearing stilts, and they all have to have a matchstick in their mouths just to make them. <laughs> But surely the flipping of a coin now and again would tell yeah. people. And, and mm. the, the loose leaning against a fast car would be a little <laughs> of an indication. Now, this guy's a bad yeah. boy. Oh, this is a real bad boy. Yeah, when he gets his bottle of soda pop, he bites the cap off. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably rude to the guy serving malts in the diner. Absolutely. He'd be like, hey, Pops. The guy's name isn't Pops. He just doesn't find out what his name is. <laughs> he's just a little bit older. He's just 30. He's, th- he's 30. He probably fought in World War Two. Show some respect. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Don John. He's looking for a way to get back. And he sees Claudio and pretends to think that when he's speaking to Claudio that he's Benedict. Benedict, I should say. Mm-hmm. He tells Benedict which uh, is actually Claudio. Remember, he's pretending right, that he's yep. speaking to Benedict, but he's actually talking to Claudio. Mm-hmm. And he says that he's heard that Don John has decided to actually hit on Hero for himself, and rather than put in a good word for Claudio, plans to marry her himself tonight. And he's saying Stirring. this to Claudio, who is the man in love with Hero. So, wait a minute. Don John's pretending to be... Benedict. No, he's pretending that Claudio is Benedict. He's like, yo, <laughs> uh, Benedict, I oh, can't believe that. Have you heard? Don Pedro's uh, going to marry uh, uh, gonna marry a hero tonight and screw over Claudio. And Claudio's like, I'm Claudio. I haven't heard that at all. <laughs> <laughs> the, I, the, uh, the reason this would be easier to follow as a play is that it's easy <laughs> to tell who people are under masks, ball masks. Yes, you, absolutely, it is easy to tell. The whole, the, 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 it's, it's easy to follow because the whole premise of the scene is nonsense and you can easily tell who everybody is when yeah. they wear those masks. Mm. Yeah, and Especially also- when one's wearing a leather jacket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, he's accidentally, 
quote-unquote, leaked information to Claudio that Don Pedro is going to screw him over and hit on the woman that he loves. So this upsets Claudio, who thinks his friend has betrayed him, and he rushes out of the party, which is an early example of how rash Claudio is when he hears bad news. He doesn't question it. He goes, oh... That's what's happening. The world is against me. <laughs> but every, the plot of every Shakespeare play would fall apart if somebody got some really bad news and then went, I'm just going to wait 30 minutes before yes, acting exactly. on that. Yeah. Are they actually <laughs> Just in dead? case another messenger arrives. Yeah. 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 Probably, probably won't take my life just yet. So he's furious at Don Pedro because he thinks that Don Pedro is hitting on Hero rather than confessing Claudio's love. But when he comes back into the party, Don Pedro himself comes over and tells him, Hey, bud, it's all good. I put in a word with Hero, and she's keen to marry you. Everything's fine. Mm. So Don John's dastardly plan to break them up, it's failed. Oh, that's quite quick. So that don't worry about that anymore. But they won't be married for another week, which they complain is ages to wait. These people have obviously <laughs> never got a saver date for a wedding in three years' time. <laughs> <laughs> So they're like, oh, gosh, we've got to wait a week. How do you pass the time? Well, by tricking two people into falling in love with each other, of course. That's mm. that's the fun game they'll play. It's actually very lockdown, I think. That, you know, they're at <laughs> a party, everybody's wearing masks. Uh, nobody yes. can tell who anybody else is. And they're all like, oh, we had to rearrange our, our wedding because of this. And... Um, we're just gonna just gonna basically go nuts and start manipulating people. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. Up until the last bit, that was yeah, kind of my experience of lockdown. But what we all, what happens no, around your house? I've 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 got some friends who who really went off the rails during uh, during lockdown. Yeah, we all went through our manipulation phase. I mean, I'm there bottling cats, but I don't know about the other people. <laughs> Some people did sourdough, not James. <laughs> so they're like, let's come up with a game. Don Pedro proposes a game to trick Beatrice and Benedict, who usually hate each other, into falling in love. Claudio agrees to help, as does Beatrice's uncle, Leonardo, and her cousin, Hero. So everyone's like, yeah, this should be fun. We sort of ruin their lives a little bit. <laughs> they clearly hate each other. Let's make them, let's see if we can fall, make them fall in love. Mm. Meanwhile, the self-described villain of the piece, Don John, is annoyed mm-hmm. that his plan to break up the love of Claudio and Hero didn't work out, but he isn't going to give up that easily. One of his... Who's he talking to in this scene? <laughs> Well, I think he's talking to one of his followers, which could have been you. Go on. <laughs> but th- I think this is more... There's two followers. This is the the main follower. So tell me if you were cast as mm. Baracchio. That- oh, mm. maybe. <laughs> maybe I, I remember it because I had to say it. You, has the other one got... Did the other one have a name, even? Yes. I will get to the other one. Let me see... Conrad? Does that ring your uh, yeah, bell? I think I was, yeah, I think I might have been Conrad. You were Conrad? Yeah, basically the smallest part in the play, I think you're fine. <laughs> uh, there's no small character, or there's no small parts, only small actors, is that right? Is that, the, is that the same? Yeah, I think it's someone like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you would have been but great. This part, this part seems like it's very, very far away. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it may not actually it was be in small, a different, but... Mostly in a different play. But I remember seeing two people have this conversation very close whilst dressed as naval officers. <laughs> and, and then they're like, Conrad, my sword. And you went, mm? Mm? Passed the sword over. Tripped yeah. over. I think what people... What I think people really appreciated was all the mime you were doing during this scene, just mm. upstaging them in the background <laughs> and reacting. Ooh. The whole time, the director that sort of could stuff. not control you. <laughs> just coming yeah. in on it scenes you're not in, but not saying anything. They te- they Technically, they can't touch you if yeah. you do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the line's not, not written. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't say that Conrad wasn't trapped in a glass box during the wedding scene. He was picking up this. He'd, he'd forgotten his invisible rope, and he had to come in and pick it back up. In every scene, yes, it was a long rope. So Don John, aka your boss, is pissed because his his plan to ruin everything failed. So one of his followers, one of your colleagues, Baracchio, comes up with an even more sinister plan and proposes it to Don John. The plan is to make it look like Hero is unfaithful to her betrothed Claudio by setting them up to look like that hero is having an affair. And the way Baracchio says that he'll do this is he'll hook up with Margaret, who is one of Hero's attendants, and Margaret's also his lover, and he will make out with Margaret in Hero's window whilst they set it up so that Claudio and Don Pedro happen to see the liaison from below and all of this will take place the night before the wedding to make it extra evil mm. so so it's a, an evil plan that involves him making out with I uh, maid servants are always a problem in my experience <laughs> maid servants classic stirrers and and very easily turned to the purposes of a villain or malcontent from my observation, you want you want to watch them. Well, this one is absolutely uh, been ter- turned to the dark side. Or to be honest, I think she's tricked. She doesn't realise. She just thinks, "Oh, oh okay, great, okay. we'll make out in, in the window." But really, make out on the window seat. Okay, let's, yeah. let's go. But the strange part is, so apparently she's innocent, but she's also to make it look more legit. Baracchio gets her to call him Claudio, and he calls her hero. <laughs> but I okay. guess that he just explains that it's like a fun game. To pretend to be other people or something. Yeah. Bit of role yeah. play, maybe, I don't know. But and yeah. I think it, he also suggests that Conrad uh, is there behind the window, <laughs> uh, just sort of reinforcing the fact that there is a window there. Um, <laughs> by the, just touching the window as much as possible. Otherwise, they wouldn't know. They wouldn't know. Exactly. <laughs> So that's the plan. An evil Don John tells Baracchio he'll get him tons of cash if it succeeds. I like the way Don John, having failed at sort of rebellion and war, goes, what if I were just just a real stirrer? What if I really tried to mess people yeah. over on a personal <laughs> level with no obvious goal in mind other than causing chaos? Yeah. Do you think that's what Saddam Hussein was getting up to before they found him? <laughs> what? <laughs> Just I'm thinking of someone famous in a While war he was in who that lost hole. the war, and then there was a bit of time between losing the war and then being found in the hole. Do you think he was just, you know, messing up people's relationships? Yes, that might be a bit much. Picking up people's phone and text, sending texts from their phone. Yes, yeah. Yep. Oh, sorry, classic, that was meant for classic Karen. Saddam Hussein. <laughs>
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Meanwhile, Benedict is walking around the grounds wondering how love seems to turn all men into fools and how he'll probably never fall in love. <laughs> this guy does not turn it off. It's like we, we're already in on the scene. He's like, you know what? I was just thinking the thing I said before again. Yeah, yeah. And he's just yelling it out loud. <laughs> ah, a pretty sparrow. Don't get it. Don't fall in love, sparrow. It's not worth it. I never would, yeah. for example. And then he's just bragging about how he'll never fall in love. Classic. Classic Benedict. <laughs> <laughs> then enter Don Pedro, Claudio, and Leonardo, who start talking loudly about Benedict, who hides to listen in on their conversation. They totally know he's listening, and they start talking about how Beatrice, the one he always bickers with, is totally secretly in love with him. And he's like, what, what, what? They talk how she's head over heels in love with him but could never admit it to him herself as he'd probably make fun of her, but that she's being driven insane with secret passion and the group are actually worried about her. They also talk her up and how Benedict would be a fool to turn her down as a partner because she's awesome. So they're really, really trying to get him to fall in love with her. (laughs) Yeah. They're really putting the cat in the bottle there. (laughs) I appreciated you doing an audio double take when you were impersonating, but you're like, whoa, 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 yeah. which is how you how you do a double take <laughs> on a podcast. <laughs> so they leave, and it seems like their little plan to trick him has worked. He wonders why would Leonardo lie? He's just a he's a trustworthy old man, which is a good yeah, question. Yeah. It really is. Why would he lie about his <laughs> his niece being in love with this man? Anyway, he is lying, but Benedict says out loud. This is basically to cover himself because he said, I'd never fall in love. Then he says, when I said I would die a bachelor, I did not think I should live till I were married. <laughs> so, oh, nice. what? He, mm. He's like, it's not, oh, actually, if I'm going to live, then I might fall in love. But I just didn't think I was going to fall in love. So technically, when I said that before, <laughs> I wasn't wrong. <laughs> I just thought I was going to die. I, this, I can't believe this guy. I, ah. Oh. Then uh, Beatrice herself arrives to tell him that dinner is ready. She is her usual self and mocks him. But when she leaves, he decides there must have been a hidden message in her mocking. And he's like, yeah, she she is in love with me. I get it. <laughs> and he decides to take pity on her saying, quote, if I do not take pity of her, I am a villain. So part one of the plan has worked. Benedict is now interested in Beatrice. Well, I was just sort of thinking, we're kind of looking at maybe sort of the morality of two different sides. If it's for a good end, is it okay to manipulate people because they might end up with a happy marriage? But then you've got the, the Don John, if for a bad end, he's trying to manipulate mm. people. I'm, I'm sort of, de- I'm really digging into the work mm. here. Yeah, that's, got, 
The type Any of analysis questions? that only someone who has been in this play mm. would really get. Been in the background of this play walking into a wind, yes. <laughs> so in Act 3, the other half of the plan is put into practice. Hero makes sure Beatrice overhears her talking how Benedict is in love with Beatrice. But that Benedict is too proud to tell her because she'd mock him and instead he'll just have to waste away in secret. She also talks up how good Benedict is and also does a bit of uh, psychology where she compliments uh, Beatrice. She's like, surely a woman of Beatrice's intelligence would be smart enough to realize how good Benedict is. (laughs) (laughs) And again, it's a success. Beatrice believes it to be true and decides that she could take pity on the man who's not so bad really and she could make herself love him back. So now they're both interested. Plans coming together. Mm. The other plan that's coming together is Don John's evil plan of destroying Hero and Claudio's marriage by approaching Claudio and Don Pedro and telling them that Hero is unfaithful and that he can prove it. All the men have to do is come with him tonight and watch Hero's window and they'll see a woman who looks like her from afar making love (laughs) to another man. (laughs) They're like, but you can't go too close. You can't go too close. <laughs> no, it's just up to that line I've done in, in the sand, just there. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, don't put your glasses on. It's all good. And look at that other guy. What's that other guy doing? <laughs> He's really reacting. Yeah. Look at the other and look at the other guy reacting to that going on. And let's not forget, this is the night before the wedding. And Claudio who is again very quick to believe Don John, says that if it's true and he sees his bride-to-be with another man the night before the wedding, he will wait until the next day and at the wedding disgrace her publicly. That's what he says. Claudio, he may be a great soldier, but he's not the sharpest sword (laughs) in the armory, is he? He It's just like, whatever the latest thing someone told me, I believe that. (laughs) He just goes, yep, I get I guess you're telling the truth. Then we get to a very pivotal scene here with two great characters. We've got Baracchio and also Conrad. Oh, oh, here he is. There he is. The audience is all perked up there. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the main good yeah. boy, Conrad, started on a- stage. <laughs> applauding like when uh, Kramer arrives on Seinfeld. It's just like, finally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Here he is. laughs> that was exactly how I entered every scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Invisible door. I entered as if pursued by a bear. <laughs> Fantastic. That's an, that's an excellent Shakespeare joke. That's great yeah. stuff. That's great stuff. Just, the, uh, just, uh, just rest assured that was everyone. <laughs> so in another scene, Baracchio and Conrad, who was another of Don John's right-hand men, discuss how their plan to make it look like Hero was unfaithful went perfectly. So we don't actually see that. We just hear them talking. What? They skip over the key scene and they just go like, oh, that was, I hate the way in Shakespeare that all the exciting stuff is just like, wow, wasn't it amazing when we saw that thing that would be really <laughs> yeah, expensive and cool to stage? <laughs> wow. wow. Oh, you should have seen it. When I saw that amazing but, ghost, but it was so I'll real. I'll now describe it in blank verse. Yes. Come on. <laughs> Come on, Shakespeare. So he says, Baracchio got with Margaret. The maid, dressed in hero's clothing whilst Claudio and Don Pedro watched on. And now Claudio is convinced that hero 
has cheated on him and will hum- humiliate her at their wedding tomorrow. And they're talking, Don't do it, Claudia. talking about this out loud. But one thing Baracchio <laughs> and Conrad don't realise is that there are people listening in on and noting their conversation. <laughs> it's such a stretch every time. Every single time someone notes something. Yeah. It's, it's such a stretch. Much ado about noting, everyone. Let's not forget. It'll be texts nowadays. That's probably what the modern versions do. It'll be te- yeah. They'll be texting each other about it. Much ado yeah. about SMSing. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Although you'd read that as something. So it would just make you sound German. <laughs> Much ado about something. So someone's listening in on their conversation And not just anyone But bumbling watchmen Who are sort of police officer types And they arrest and charge Baracchio and Conrad In the name of the prince for committing conspiracy Well just yeah, for being seen Making notes it's a, Why were yeah, they arrested for conspiracy? Oh, because they've just oh, there's like, a war on. Oh, and they've just talked about how, hey, we set it up to make it look like that. Uh, oh, the affair I see. happened. I, I'm sorry. Yep, yep, yep. Sorry, I just got confused. I thought the people who were doing the noting were arrested, but no. No, the, but they noted what they did and said, "Hang on, that sounds like something I should arrest you for." So they arrest Baracchio and everyone's favorite character, Conrad. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Free Conrad. <laughs> yeah what was good about Conrad when you arrest him you don't really need to put him uh, in a real set <laughs> they, can, they, can, they can bring all the illusions that they've been put in a glass cage <laughs> so the head of the watchman a man unfortunately named Dogberry <laughs> the surely that's surely that's a euphemism for you know like a like a, a winner, dog Todd. Say in the northeast. What, what, what I assume, whatever you are saying, means the same thing as what I think a dogberry is. Mm. <laughs> I think. Come on, it's Shakespeare. A hanger on. He meant that. He meant that. Yeah, he knew what he was doing. Yeah, a cling on. Yes. <laughs> mm. Surely. Mm. So that is is dogberry. Everyone's everyone's second favourite character after Conrad. <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a shame that they appear in a scene together and that one actor couldn't play both parts. Yeah, That's the only problem. Right. I, wa- I really wanted Dogbury. It's the best part. It's funniest. <laughs> well, he finds Leonardo to tell him about how the two men have been arrested. But the thing is, Dogberry comes to him on the day of his daughter's wedding. Mm, Godfather style, absolutely. Godfather style. (laughs) Yeah, that's an obligatory noise that you have to make in these situations. (laughs) (laughs) I think, uh, if anything, Marlon Brando was to mumbling what you were to miming, James. (laughs) (laughs) The master mumbler. He he could mumble in any scene, in any situation. He could mumble the whole world. You're doing Shakespeare and Marlon Brando turns up and starts mumbling. You're not going to tell him to leave. <laughs> you are not. Yeah. you got to sell your tickets. Yeah, that's... Yeah, even yeah. if he hasn't got any trousers on, famously. <laughs> <laughs> so Dogberry turns up to tell Leonardo, hey, it's all been a conspiracy. Your daughter has been framed, all this sort of stuff. But the way he tells the story is so comically drawn out and ridiculous 
that Leonardo dismisses him and says, hey, can we talk about this later? He tells them to interview the men that have arrested themselves and he'll talk to them after the wedding. No! Oh, no. So the wedding Ah. goes ahead in Act 4 for a bit. (laughs) (laughs) But it's pretty quick. It's about three lines of dialogue. But when the priest, Friar Francis, asks for any objection, the groom, Claudius himself, jumps in. (laughs) You don't have many people objecting at their own wedding. He asks Leonardo if he gives his daughter, Hero, over to him. And Claudius responds, There, Leonardo... Take her back again. Give not this rotten orange to your friend. So he's like... And, and he's played by Marlon Brando, so the orange is probably, mm. as the godfather, that's probably quite triggering for him. Yeah, that's not mm. a good sign. Yeah. Not a good sign of death. But I, I love that. He's like, do you give your daughter to me? And Leonardo's like, of course. And he goes, take her back. So <laughs> it seems unnecessary. It's very reality TV. Yeah. It's, it's an elaborate... like like walk in to uh, the burn mm. like you had to really walk them in a certain path in order to get the specific burn back to them yeah that's, yeah mm. you've thought of only one way to say it so you really need them to play along perfectly yeah <laughs> just gotta help i get the feed line i need here <laughs> yeah so do you do you give me your daughter then well you know it's her own choice yeah but do you as the father do you give her to me would you say that would you say that would you say it? would you say it right now please just say it Say it in a sentence. Yeah, I, all right. I, I, uh, you want me to say I give you your daughter? Yeah, but say it as if it was your own thought. Yes, I give you my daughter. Well, take her back then. Get out of town. Have a rotten apple. Get out of here. That's Shakespeare. See, that's how you riff Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's good stuff. Hey, that's that's the beauty of if you're in the background of a lot of scenes, you observe more than most people do. So you get the subtext. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> More than even the, the the Leonardo himself, you're getting it. Love. Mm. So he says, "Take her back," and then Claudio goes on and on about how he he knows that the hero isn't a virgin and in fact was unfaithful the night before the wedding, and her father Leonardo is shocked. But Don Pedro, who was also tricked... So I am shocked to receive this information for the second time, <laughs> yeah. but be listening this time. Wow. What? <laughs> yeah. But Don Pedro... This is like the, one of the first two times I'm hearing about this. <laughs> yeah, oh, my gosh. This sounds very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Not this again. Yeah. But he's kind of he doesn't really believe it. But Don Pedro, who was also tricked into seeing the fake affair, testifies that Claudio... He's like, yeah, he's telling the truth. And then Leonardo dramatically asks for a dagger to stab himself. So. Oh, whoa. <laughs> okay. Bit All right. much. Yeah. We were all having a laugh. Yeah, yeah it, was, it just got a bit serious. Joking about the rotten orange, mate. Come down. <laughs> but um, Hero herself, she's up on the up at the wedding, and she denies the charge, and then faints from shock, goes mm. down. Mm. At that point, Claudio, Don Pedro, and the evil Don John leave the wedding. Beatrice runs to give the unconscious Hero aid. But her father says, let her go. Dying would be better than living this life of shame. Which is, again, very very dramatic. Whoa, yeah, yeah. Beatrice doesn't believe what she's heard. And neither does the priest friar Francis, who thinks Hero is telling the truth based on the shock 
he saw on her face. He's like, she wasn't lying. This is the first time she's heard this information. <laughs> He's like, I can read people real good. Yeah, as a priest, um, she was telling the truth. Yeah, as a priest, I see a lot of lie. So, <laughs> Hero actually comes too. She, she, she just fainted rather than died like her father thought. And she denies everything that's been said about her. And the friar comes up with a plan. Leonardo, the father, should pretend his daughter is dead, having died of shock at the altar. And whilst she's in hiding, they should run a little investigation into what really happened. And if Hero, if Hero turns out to be was unfaithful, everyone will think she's dead and she can qu- be quietly shipped off somewhere overseas. But if she's telling the truth, they find out that she's innocent. So everyone, including her father, Leonardo, agrees to the plan. They'll pretend she's dead and try and get to the bottom of the matter. Benedict mm. immediately suspects that the evil Don John could be behind the deception. Because there's one guy they've been hanging out with who's evil. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. So maybe uh, it was him. The, in the whole scene, he was like doing evil laughter just over the top of the whole <laughs> And thing. as soon as she died, they sort of they yeah. just sort of dusted their hands off and left. <laughs> yeah. He's either applying uh, anti-back to his hands there or he's been up to something. <laughs> <laughs> Later in the scene, Beatrice and Benedict are alone and they confess their love for each other, which, remember, is the result of a trick. But they're both kind of feeling mm. it now. They sort of convince themselves that they actually yeah, like yeah. the other one. I think the vibes were there from the start. Mm. Yeah, it was a bit yeah. of a yeah a love hate relationship th- going on. Yeah, I th- I think to coin a phrase, I think they did uh, protest too much. Yeah, yeah, that's really good, James. You should write yeah, that. Is that, down. is that one of yours? Write that. Yeah, that's one. Of, that's a, that's, that's an a original shake shaft. <laughs> classic, classic William Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, G- Gilliam Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, your yeah, pet, yeah, yeah. your nom de plume. Mm. So they've confessed their love and Benedict wants to prove prove himself and how much he loves Beatrice. And he says, I'll do anything. And she says, all right, how about you kill your friend Claudio for leaving Hero at the altar and ruining her life and reputation? And he's like, oh, no, not that. She's loyal. I'll, wow. do, any, I'll do anything, but not that. <laughs> She's good. Mer- he's Mer- meatloaf for the situation. The I can't believe that. <laughs> but... He's like, I'll do something else. But Beatrice responds, I guess you don't love me. And then eventually Benedict agrees. All right, fine. I'll challenge Claudio for dishonoring Hero. I'll prove it. Whatever. Mm. Like you sure you wouldn't hell. take a cat in a bottle instead? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. And with that, we come to the final act, Act 5. Mm. At the start of the act, Leonardo... The father is having a full breakdown. He's not sure if his daughter has been framed as she claims or has indeed lied to him and everyone. He's freaking out. He challenges Claudio to a duel for the things he said about his daughter, which resulted in her death. Remember, Claudio and Don Pedro think she's dead. Mm. So he challenges Claudio. Claudio tries to ignore the old man's challenge, but Leonardo swears revenge. Get in line, Leonardo. Everyone's dueling. <laughs> That's right. And enter Benedict, who also challenges Claudio to a duel to the death. So <laughs> we got a it's duel. It's like the about me. <laughs> yeah. with, uh, yeah. with swords. It totally is. Because at first they think that Benedict's mucking around, you know, because he's a pretty silly kind of guy. But they soon realise, oh no, he's serious. 
and he's motivated by his love for Beatrice. And I wonder if at this point they're starting to regret tricking him into falling in love with her as a joke because now he's trying to murder his friends. <laughs> so I'd also probably think they might have like uh, might want to reassess Beatrice's personality. Yeah. If she's just like, oh, someone's in love with me. Hmm, what could I get him to do to prove yeah. that love? I got it, Moida. <laughs> yeah. This is like one of those one of those films you show, like if someone in class has been taking notes and you want to show them the dangers that taking notes can lead to, it's like, well, actually, kids, we've got a film for you. Um, the, these yeah. these teens, these hot Italian teens thought that taking notes was fun <laughs> and games, and look what happened. Mm. Thought that playing Cupid didn't have consequences. But now we got ten. We got ten cats in bottles here, and these guys are about to kill each other. We've got a nine-way duel going on. <laughs> Benedict also tells Don Pedro that his brother Don John has disappeared and left the city, which is a bit suspicious, wouldn't you say? Mm. Yeah. Did he go out on yes. his hot rod? <laughs> yeah, he revved it the whole way. <laughs> <laughs> That's my impression. It's like grease lightning. Wow. Devil's needle. Or it would probably call something like that. Or dead man's curve. <laughs> Just drive a different way, kids. <laughs> mm. I've got so many lessons for the teens today. Yeah, you'll name, yeah. you'll name it say, more safely. Yeah. More like, um, oh, oh, watch it. Watch it, curve. <laughs> yeah. Take it yeah. steady corner. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then enter Dogberry and his bumbling mates from the watch who arrested Baracchio and Conrad and they actually drag in Baracchio and Conrad. So you're back on stage, James. This is genuinely the only scene I actually remember. Oh, really? What? So yeah. this is because they don't have a prison, so they have to just bring the prisoners around with them as they go <laughs> to keep an yeah. eye on them. It's a strange system. But anyway, hey, it worked for them. That's right. They're great watchmen. They really are. <laughs> They watch, the, they watch the men at all times. Dogberry explains that they've interrogated the villains and that they've admitted to setting up the whole affair. So they've now they've explained... It's a big reveal to everyone. They're like, oh. So he just explains it, but more quickly this time this than time, the last yep. time he tried to explain it yep. when yep. it actually would have been helpful. Yep. Okay. Thanks, Dogberry. Thanks, Dogberry. <laughs> Claudio and Don Pedro are especially gobsmacked and they're upset because they think that Hero is dead because of the false accusations they publicly levelled at her at her wedding. So they're feeling mm-hmm. really bad. Yep, um, rightly so. And, really. And let's not forget the words of Britannica. The play takes an ancient theme, that of a woman falsely accused of unfaithfulness, to brilliant comedic eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so Hero's father, Leonardo, comes back in to see that see the man that framed his daughter. He sees Baracchio and Conrad. Claudio and Don Pedro beg for his forgiveness and ask Leonardo to decide Claudio's punishment as revenge. And Leonardo asks Claudio to tell Messina, which is the city of his daughter's innocence, write her epitaph and to sing it to her bones at her tomb. So, that's what he says. And then he says... Quote, and since you could not be my son-in-law, be yet my nephew. My brother hath a daughter, almost the copy of my child that's dead. So he says to Claudio, marry my niece instead. That's part of the punishment. Okay. How bad is this niece? 
Yeah. yeah. That's what you'd be wondering, wouldn't it? But Claudio breaks down and thanks his almost father-in-law, probably because, unlike other Shakespeare plays, he didn't pluck out his eyes or bake him into a pie <laughs> or something. He's like, all right, write an epitaph and marry my niece. Go on. That's it. So cut to the final scene. We're back at the church for Claudio's second wedding. Yay. Yeah. Mm. They probably reused a lot of the flowers. Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> just, just put a little sticker on the invitation to change the date. Yeah, I imagine the guests just extended their hotel bookings. They're not happy about it, but um, but they're there. Benedict is there and stoked that he didn't have to fight his friend Claudio to the death in a duel. Benedict asks Leonardo for his permission to marry his niece Beatrice. And Leonardo says yes. And whilst waiting for the bride to arrive, Benedict's friends tease him for being in love with Beatrice. Because remember, he's the man who said he'd never marry anyone. And now he's engaged. <laughs> but they don't pluck out his eyes with a pen. They don't. No. <laughs> they don't do any of that stuff that he specifically said yeah, know, that they should do. Which I think is ridiculous. Mm. What happened to male friendship? Exactly. That's what I want to know. <laughs> this is going to be a really violent stag do, obviously. It's going to be nightmarish. <laughs> At <laughs> uh, this time it's the women's turn to wear veils that hide their identity and the bride arrives and Claudio thinks she is Leonardo's unnamed niece that he's just agreed to marry. Unnamed. I not even named the niece. Doesn't know. Yeah, he's like, oh, "All right, hello niece, nice to meet you. I'm I'm going to be your husband in 5 minutes." But she pulls off her mask to reveal that it's Hero all along. Whoa. That must have been quite shocking. A shock revelation to, to, to like one guy in the scene and everybody else knows yeah, this already. Yeah, that's right. Everyone knew she was alive except him. And he's like, what the heck? She's been alive this whole time and agreed to marry the man who only yesterday said those awful things about her at their first wedding, but now they're at their second <laughs> wedding. <laughs> that was kind of a first wedding thing. I don't think, um, I don't think he's going to repeat that. But do, but do you give her to me? Do you give her to me? <laughs> just, just, just want you to... Yeah. Then Benedict uh, stands up and asks, which of the veiled ladies is Beatrice? And then when Beatrice reveals herself, he, sa- he asks, do you love me? And she says, why, no, no more than reason, which is super romantic. <laughs> and then... That is Prince Charles level romance. So does she... She, she likes reason then, is that... Yeah, yeah. She loves reason. We, she loves reason. We, is, oh, so it's been established that she she loves reason. Yeah, you know, reason, me, reason. I love reason. That was the name of her mm. her first love, who died horribly <laughs> uh, at the age of fifteen, sadly. On Dead Man's Curve. Dead Man's Curve. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's dangerous. <laughs> so I got the name. <laughs> yep. And uh, Benedict's like, but your uncle and the prince, uh, they said you love me. They swore you did. And she says, well, do you not love me? And he says, well. No more than reason. <laughs> and she's like, be your cousin, Margaret, and everyone, they, they said that you love me. They swore you did. And Benedict says, well, they swore you were almost sick for me. And she says, well, they swore that you were well nigh dead for me. And they're sort of going back and forth. <laughs> it looks like they've figured out the whole thing. They're not going to get married until each of the party's friends pull out a bit of poetry that they wrote about each other, each other, and they discover, hang on, they are actually in love. Oh, so even we didn't know that. They, they were in love all along. 
Well, maybe, but then these are the people themselves saying, I'm not in love, but everyone's like, I've got it on a bit of paper. You have to marry him now. You wrote poetry about him. It looks like someone wrote a note. <laughs> yes. mm. it's exactly. I didn't really think that through. <laughs> looks like, once again, notes, a very good pun, have become relevant to this play. Mm. Perfect. So they continue to bicker about saving each other's life because they heard the other one was in love with the, the other one until Benedict says, Peace. I will stop your mouth. And then he kisses her to basically end the conversation and, and stop her talking. And then everyone starts dancing. <laughs> Is it one of those big, big mouth kisses, though, where sometimes you see when someone doesn't really know how to kiss and they do like a like over like the top, whole yes. mouth over the other one. <laughs> like oh. he, he's bobbing for that's apples on her lips. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a weird kiss, mate. The dance is very Bollywood, but the, the, the massive mouthy kiss you're describing, James, is very un-Bollywood. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's dancing. All seems well until the messenger enters. And the messenger says, My lord, your brother John is taken in flight and brought with him armed men back to Messina. And Benedict responds... Oh, I bet we're going to see that on stage. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, oh, we're not. It's just being described. Yeah. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> and Benedict responds with... They're a... riding on elephants. They've got a Wurlitzer, yeah. but you can't see any of it. <laughs> They've all got matchsticks in their mouths. <laughs> <laughs> it's the army of bad boys. <laughs> Think not on him until tomorrow. I'll devise the brave punishments for him. Strike up, pipers. He says to, like, the people playing music. And that's the end of the play. I guess we'll find out what happens in the sequel, Much A Two About Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, oh, there are the soldier at the gates, and, he's, and he goes, like, no time for that. We've got to party down. Exactly. And then just the DJ comes on. Yeah, it's like... And everyone just disco down. And a disco ball lowers into frame. Yeah, and exactly. like, <laughs> Okay. It's such a strange ending. It's like, yeah, they're here to kill the whole city. Whatever, we're dancing. And then that's it. <laughs> I said we're going to party. Yeah, it's in- an incredible it's, It sounds like one of those ones where the credits would be um, the actors, their name would be on screen as each actor sort of danced and winked at camera. Absolutely. As it goes through each there was Leonardo shot by yeah. a shotgun. <laughs> as, as soldiers lay siege to the down behind them. <laughs> and uh, that's that's the end of the play. James, or should I say Conrad, how much of that came back to you as I was talking about it? Genuinely, just the uh, the the bit where the dogberry brings the people on. I remember that bit. And beforehand, we had to interact with the audience before the play started. It was pretty horrible. Oh, like in character. Mm. But you have to do that thing where you, yeah. you try and announce people to turn off their mobile phones while simultaneously pretending you don't know what a mobile phone is. One of those sort <laughs> oh, of things. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Pretty ladies and gentlemen, take <laughs> thine um, pocket tablets <laughs> and, and switcheth them, I pray... <laughs> To airplane mode, <laughs> eagle, eagle, mechanical I, eagle mode. I, I, it means I airplane would mode. <laughs> Disturbeth you not in mm. do not disturb mode. I don't know. This I is know. very good uh, Shakespeare riffing. Thank by you. By the way, you, uh, next time I have that anxiety dream, I'll just call on you. <laughs>
Um, Alastair, thoughts? What do you think of Much Ado About Noting? Or- well, yeah, I mean, there was a, there was a lot of ado. You, mm. you can't take that away from Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah. he, he crammed a lot of ado into this play. I think it's, I think it's quite good. I don't, I don't really like his comedies that much. Um, I, think this is, I think this is better than Midsummer Night's Dream. I'll say that yep. much. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think it's. I think it's good. Oh. It's a. Uh, oh, have I upset you there, James? <laughs> Where? Yeah, yeah. Frankly, no. I, I just. Think it's got I like the set potential. piece in Midsummer Night's Dream, though. the The play, the play rehearsal set piece in Midsummer Night's Dream is is a very funny bit. You like that because it's got a guy play. miming pretending to be a wall. That's why you <laughs> yes, like. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. My. And part, then somebody yes. else pretending to be a hole in a wall. That and yes. trying to mime and that. That really. Someone tried pretending to be the man in the moon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and his dog. And his lantern, I think. Yeah, and this twigs. is my lantern and this is my dog. That's a very funny scene. Anyway, there's no... I mean, Dogbury, I think, is your comic... Your, 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 your role for the clown in this one. Yeah. yeah. Because he has his sort of silly scene of trying to speak and hilariously someone feigns death. <laughs> As a Just because I'm sick of him talking, is that? I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think it's good. I th- I'm not sure... That probably don't like... I, I don't, The Tempest is... Is that that's a funny? Is that it's not a funny? The Tempest, is it a comedy? No, the that's no, that's one f- of the much later ones, isn't it? That's sort of I like it because it's really all weird and creepy. Anything. It doesn't really, mm. yeah, yeah. Like, but, I'm trying to think of a good. I th- I'm trying to think of a good Shakespearean comedy. Which one? I just think um, they don't translate. Most of them don't mm. translate anymore. Well, yeah, I think most of them they translate better when you see them or or hear yeah. them. Especially, the, I'm not the saying comedies. bottom is bottom is obviously funny. His name's Bottom. Mm. I mean, he that's a, good writing. Come on. Ears. That is good writing. <laughs> that translates. There's a bit, I think, the uh, there's a garden centre in North London where in the in the toilets they have, um, you know, the way people have sort of nice quotes stenciled on things these days. Mm. Mm. They have a quote mm. from Midsummer Night's Dream on the mirror, which, uh, which is something like, um, um, Thou art as beautiful as thou art wise. But... W- which is like a compliment to you, the person looking in the mirror. But the line in Midsummer Night's Dream is spoken to, by Titania to Bottom while she's under the spell. <laughs> so it's a gag. She's saying, you're as beautiful as you are intelligent, but she's speaking to a guy with a donkey for a head who's an idiot. The so the point is, you are is ugly bottom. and stupid. Yeah. And he's called Bottom. <laughs> so I don't know if the people in the garden centre are like, <laughs> or whether they don't know that they're insulting everybody who reads that quote. Yeah. I'd love to know if they're in on that. I really hope they are. That would be fantastic. It's a weird turn. It's like the way the um, the Citizen Kane gif of uh, Citizen Kane of uh, Orson Welles clapping furiously. People post that to, um, under something that, that they think is good. So they're like, oh, applause. But the whole point of that scene is that the performance that he's clapping is terrible. A really, really, really bad performance. <laughs> and he's clapping really hard to give the impression that he thought it was good. So every time you use that, you're insulting people. <laughs> I will keep that in mind. And it's 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 very much like every time I give you know when I was um, dating I would just give the girl a cat in a bottle to show my love. <laughs> and, uh, invariably it backfired. Often that wouldn't go down well. Yeah. <laughs> but when it did, that's when you knew the other one. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the thing that we do at the end of each episode is give the work a score out of five. 
which is always hilarious to give Shakespeare a score out of five. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have had people in here be like, oh, I didn't like that one. One and a half. <laughs> Shakespeare. <laughs> which is very, very funny. So no pressure. You can like it. You can hate it. You can give it a, 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 mid, a middling, mediocre score. Well, James and I also do scores out of five on our podcast, mm. Norman. Uh, so we, yeah. we are no stranger to um, to taking our cultural heritage <laughs> and going, yeah, three, yes. yeah, three. Well, on, three the, on that mid. note, in this one, because you, you you scored the names out of five, what would you score the mm. names on? On uh, you know, you had Benedict, you had Benedict, Leonardo, yeah, Benedict's great. Leonardo. Dogberry is coming in hot. <laughs> Dogberry is yeah. very. Oh, unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> Dogberry is coming in hot. Uh, two Dons kind of confusing and yeah. Don, Don John's not a great bad guy name as we talked Don about. John is such a bad bad guy name yeah. though but it's almost it's almost so so bad it's good like Don John it's like a, Don John. a, a the room quality character name yeah. it's really bad it's that there's that um uh fruit drink uh, uh, there's like a fruit juice company called Don Simon Don Simon which always, that yeah. seems like an under and a sort of yeah, sets itself up no, and it's then Don, under, undercuts I thought it was wine straight away. Is Don Simon not wine? Oh, I thought it was fruit juice. But maybe that's I'm... why I keep getting pulled over whilst driving. <laughs> You've always thought, it comes from a grape? It's fruit juice. Yeah, it's fruit juice, right? It's juice. It's juice. It's, it's juice. It's juice. It's juice. Mm. So I've... And what was it? Baracchio. Baracchio. And then Conrad. Conrad, obviously oh, a hero. Conrad. <laughs> <laughs> just something about that name yeah uh, I'm going I'm going a hard four because Dogbury is actually I've only I've genuinely only just got that joke um, and as I say I was in a production of the play and I did not realise it's referring to dog poo yeah oh mm, yeah that's yeah. a dogberry isn't it a dog's berry yeah mm. oh well having only just got that now I'm, I'm going to go higher I'm going to go five because uh, I enjoyed five. Don John. I'm going to say five. Yeah, nice five one, Shakespeare. Names, yeah. Nice one, Shakespeare. <laughs> you did well with your names. I mean, you know Dickens, but you, you're good. <laughs> and for the play itself, out of five? Uh, well, it's a three for me. Needs more Conrad. <laughs> <laughs> Slash mime. Yep, fair well, enough. I have to go with James. James is our is uh, is the expert in uh, much ado about nothing. So I'll, I'll go with my teammate. And, uh, and say three. Three out of five. <laughs> I'm going to go four I actually, marks. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I think it, yeah. might, be, I think it might be a four. Well, it, yeah. You, but you've got to go with your teammate. I understand that. But I have to side with James. I, I'm, yeah. I'm team Shaft, not team Spear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give the names a full, full marks. Five out of five. I did enjoy the, did enjoy the names. But the, the play itself, I think I'm going to go slightly more generously. I'm going to give it three and a half out of five. Ooh. Oh, we do half. No, I didn't know you did halves. Oh, you can't. You, you can do. Sometimes people give me. We a would never two. do a half on Lawmen. We, you can't we do it. No. No, no halves. No, no. Otherwise, we'd just rate it out of ten. We'd rate it out of ten. Exactly. We, we stick to halves. the natural numbers. Thank right. You. Well, I don't want to offend, so I'm going to put mine up to a four out of five. It was good. Okay. It's, it's fun. It's fun. It's good. It's good. It's yeah, yeah. And but it, it and also you know the subtext. You know, is it good to pretend to? Uh, make people fall in love if you think it's for the best or if you're doing it for nefarious reasons you know yeah it's a great question something or something I agree (laughs) (laughs) and that's that's the subtitle to it it's much to do about nothing colon or 
is it good to make people fall in love <laughs> if you think it will be good or if you're doing it for nefarious I mean nefarious reasons or something mm. or something and that just for space they shortened it or what you will <laughs> or, or what you will that's the subtitle for all of them yeah make up your own mind <laughs> well thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Bookshit really appreciate you guys dialing in from the other side of the world fantastic to have you yeah. on Thank you. It's no been problems. great. Thanks Lots for having fun. us. If people want to hear Lawman, they can find it on all mm. the podcast apps, I'm presuming. Yeah, oh, but yeah. you have to spell it right. L-O-R-E-M-E-N. Yeah. Lorayman. Fantastic. Yeah, if you want a smart speaker to understand it, you have to call it Lorayman. Okay, remember that. Not so smart. Not so smart. Speakers, no. Towards the end of last year, Matt Stewart, who I do the other Do Go On podcast with, we're on an episode with you, James, and it, it's great fun. Yes. Great fun. Yes, we did a whistle-stop tour ahead of your whistle-stop tour of the UK. It was great. And uh, it, was really it gave fun, us man. lots of context what to expect from each of the cities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I bet you really understood the Glasgow coat of arms after that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It changed everything. <laughs> And Alistair, your new book, one more time, is called Montgomery Bon Bon Murder at the Museum. Correct. And um, if if you enjoy Shakespeare, it's it, way better, way better than Shakespeare. Much sillier <laughs> names, uh, shorter, and um, no no masks, no 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 masks. masks. Okay, <laughs> not in this one. Fantastic. Well, thank you again for for joining me. At the end of each episode, uh, I always say uh, thank you for being on the show and I always sign off with by yelling books forever <laughs> good on yeah it's, I mean, it's 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 weird it's a weird way to end a podcast but yeah. <laughs> mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.